0: Radicals, we begin today's show with a short essay. There's a fundamental difference between the things you do every day, every single day, and the things you do only when the Spirit moves you. One difference is that once you've committed to doing something daily, you find the Spirit moves you daily. Rather than having a daily debate about today's agenda, you can decide once that you will do something and then decide every single day how to do it. That is an essay on, by, written by Seth Godin called Daily, published on his site at Dece- on December 21, 2014. Seth is well-known for being a daily blogger, somebody who posts a new article each and every single day. And I've been thinking a lot about the concept of daily. And I have noticed that what Seth says in this essay is, seems to be very true. The things that you do each and every day, the habits that you have each and every day are the ones that stick with you. This is very true when it comes to brushing your teeth, flossing your teeth, hugging your husband or your wife, whatever the situation is, the things that you do each and every day are going to be powerful. So how can this be applied to money? Today I want to share with you just some simple ideas that are a bit countercultural I'm going to talk against some of the advice that we often get. I don't have a perfect solution to this advice, but it is a countercurrent theory that I think will be helpful to you and we're going to kick off the discussion here with reading another essay by Mark Ford. Mark Ford is he's also known under the pen name of Michael Masterson. He wrote for years and founded a website called Early to Rise and I'm going to read to you an essay that he wrote called How to Get Richer Every Day. I read this essay I think probably six, seven, eight years ago. He he doesn't have a timestamp on the essay and it's published all over the web, so I can't cite the exact time. But I've read this essay many years ago and it always stuck with me. So here I read Mark's essay called How to Get Richer Every Day. Of the hundreds of wealth-building strategies I've tried over the years, the best one was also the simplest. Make sure you get a little bit richer – Every day. This thought occurred to me more than 30 years ago. I'd recently decided to become rich, and that decision had me reading and thinking about wealth building day and night. I had daily fantasies of getting rich in all sorts of fancy ways, but deep down inside, I knew complicated strategies were not for me. When it came to making money, I was extremely risk-averse. In the race to a multi-million dollar retirement, I was a tortoise, not a hare. At the time, I had a net worth of zero and an annual salary of $35,000. With three small children and my wife in college, our expenses were gobbling up every nickel of my after-tax income. So my first wealth-building goal was small. I would get richer by just $10 per day. I knew I would eventually raise the ante, but I wondered how much money would I acquire in, say, 40 years by just putting an extra $10 aside every day in a bank account earning 5% per year. I did the numbers and was happy with the answer, almost half a million dollars. My total capital invested would be $149,650. The simple interest would total $156,950, and the compounded interest would amount to $182,061 for a total of $488,661. Then I wondered, what would happen if I put away $15 per day? That came to $719,604. And then I asked, what would my retirement fund grow to at 8%? That came to just over 6, $1.62 million. You can imagine my excitement. And so I made this my number one wealth-building commandment, get a little bit richer every day. But I soon realized that I couldn't follow this rule consistently if I invested my money in stocks. The market fluctuated too much. I'd be worth $110,000 one day and $108,000 the next. My friends and colleagues who knew more about investing than I did told me not to worry about these short-term fluctuations. They said if I kept my focus on the long term, I'd get the 9% or 10% the market delivers over a long period of time. But even though I understood the principle, I didn't want to settle for that. I resolved the problem. I put the bulk of my retirement savings into municipal bonds, high-yielding bank CDs, and unleveraged rental real estate properties. This drastically reduced my portfolio's volatility. But it also, in theory at least, reduced my expected ultimate return on investment. I compensated for that lower ROI by taking on more work and devoting a portion of that extra income to my retirement savings. That ensured I was always ahead of my schedule, even if the ROI I was getting on bonds, CDs, or real estate dropped. This simple tortoise-paced program worked. Since I made this resolution in the early 1980s, I have never experienced a single day of being poorer than I was the day before. Think about that. And there's more. Submitting yourself to this commandment will change the way you think and feel about building wealth. It will help you appreciate the miracle of compound interest. It will make you less accepting of risk. It will make it easier to understand the benefits and drawbacks of every type of investing. And it will turn you into an income addict, which, in my book, is an essential component of thinking rich. If you want to use this strategy for retiring rich, begin as I did with a goal of $10 per day. Once that becomes easier, you'll find that you want to raise the ante. You could hike it to $15 per day, as I did my first year. But soon thereafter, your addiction to income will make it possible for you to raise your target much higher than that. These days, my target is $10,000 per day, and I do it without worry. I've explained this strategy to many people over the years, and I don't think a single one ever took it seriously. Perhaps it didn't seem clever enough for them, or perhaps they felt they were already doing well by following the investment schemes they were using at the time. But none of them ever acquired the wealth I did. They sometimes had great individual hits they'd tell me about, or even streaks of winners when the markets were favorable. But as time passed, Mr. Market always had his way with them. In the race for wealth, I've always been a tortoise, but by following this simple rule of getting richer every day, I was able to do better than I ever expected without a single day of feeling poorer than I was the day before. Now again, that essay is written by Mark Ford, and it's called How to Get Richer Every Day. I hope the concept of the essay grips you because I think it's a particularly valuable concept Unfortunately, I don't think that the essay delivers on its title. I think the title is a well-chosen title that is provocative and intriguing, but the essay doesn't actually answer the question of how. The essay simply says, you should do this. And for years, I've had this essay in the back of my mind, or this simple concept. I've long appreciated um, Mark Ford's writing. I stumbled across him when I was in college when he was – penning the Early to Rise blog, uh, which, or or excuse me, it was primarily centered around a newsletter, not a a blog, the Early to Rise daily email newsletter. And I enjoyed his writing. I found him to be down to earth and extremely um, relevant to me. And so for years, I followed Early to Rise, uh, and uh, I found a lot of their concepts very, very useful. At one point, I considered uh, getting a job with them and working with them. I was interested in pursuing a, a, a job as a copywriter uh, and their offices were based in Delray Beach, Florida, and uh, which is near where I live in West Palm Beach, Florida. So I've long admired him and I've often admired his writings on wealth. And this particular concept is always stuck in my craw in a good way. And so today I just want to talk about it a little bit. I want to lead off with simply saying that I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to actually get richer every day. Uh, Mark's concept here is that by focusing on the requirement of getting richer every day, you will pursue things that are more conservative because your goal is to make sure you don't lose money. And I want to focus on uh, some – and I'm going to discuss that further in a moment. But when it actually comes how to guarantee this, I don't see any way that it's possible to guarantee. Uh, It's more of a mindset, an ideal that is useful as a target but never actually attainable fully. Although if I could – I still think about how could it be done. The reason I say it's never fully uh, attainable is if you use his examples – uh, municipal bonds, uh, you know, CDs are not going to go down in nominal value. They could go down in real value, meaning uh, their actual stated dollar figure is not going to go down. They're guaranteed. But they could go down in, in inflation-adjusted terms. But municipal bonds can go down in value, even though they are more conservative than a portfolio of stocks. They still can go down in value. If interest rates rise, the bond values can fall. And if you are not yet at a point in your wealth-building career where you're saving as much money per day as your bonds have gone down in value, then you could, in theory, lose money. Same thing with real estate. Even though here he talked about non-leveraged real estate, the value of a real estate portfolio can fall. Now, my guess would be that if I were talking to Mark about this concept and I were raising those objections, he would say, you should be paying attention to that. He would say, if your goal is to get richer every day, then you should be paying attention. And recognizing that you might need to adjust your portfolio. I think he would say that because I know that back in 2007, 2008 when South Florida real estate was heavily hit, uh, I don't believe that he was fully invested in the local South Florida real estate market at that time. And perhaps this theory that he has that I have to get richer every day was a theory that influenced his decisions. When the risk rose in real estate, he focused on getting out. So I don't know how to teach you how to get richer every day. I do know that my appreciation of this concept has dramatically changed in the last 5 to 10 years in my own thinking. I grew up reading the basic nuts and bolts of mainstream personal finance. And one of the core pieces of advice that is given in mainstream personal finance is when you are younger, you can afford to take more investment risk. This is usually advice that's given in the context of selecting a portfolio of stocks. The idea is that if you're younger, you can afford to be more aggressive with your portfolio because you have more time to wait out any drops in the value of the market. In the stock market, if you want to get a higher total potential return, you have to be willing to sit through periods of higher volatility, which means greater risk of short-term loss. So traditionally, those who are young are advised. And if you're not advising this, there's no way that you're going to keep an investment license. So this is 100% mandated group think those who are younger are advised to have portfolios that are weighted more to the risky side a higher percentage of stocks versus bonds and here by risk i'm referring to volatility so let me switch to using volatility rather than risk Uh, the idea is that younger investors can manage a portfolio with more volatility more ups and downs i get that and to some degree, I think it's true. It's especially true if you could in some way guarantee or at least heavily influence an investor to stay invested through the downtimes. After all, a loss is only a real loss if you realize the loss. You could have a loss that's on paper, a nominal loss. The value of the assets has gone down when measured to market value. But you don't actually recognize the loss or realize the loss until you sell the investments. So younger people, by not needing the money sooner, should be able to sit tight through market downturns and thus not realize the losses. And they have more time for the portfolio to rebound. So I think that investment strategy is sound. I can't – it makes sense in a way. And again, every single licensed financial advisor, which I used to be, I am no longer, but every single licensed financial advisor is going to be required to make recommendations on that basis for for clients. The younger you are, the more aggressive you can be. I stand by that recommendation. I have no problem with young people owning a portfolio of 100% stocks. I have more questions about somebody recommending a portfolio of 100% stocks to somebody who's 90 years old. But the problem that I have is this. When is it more devastating for you to lose money? When you're poorer or when you're richer? And when I overlay that question to what Mark Ford talks about in his essay, I have a hard time being as confident in the financial advice that I used to give to young people to go all in stocks. I've increasingly come to appreciate the safety or having safe money, and I've increasingly come to appreciate having accessible money, especially for young people. I want you to consider this question, and I'm going to use extreme examples to demonstrate the point. If you are very poor and you have $100 in savings and you lose 50% of your savings, your $100 of savings drops to $50 in savings, think about the impact that will have on your life if you were in that situation. Now compare that to somebody who has $1 million of savings and they lose 50% of their savings, dropping them to $500,000 of savings. And think about the impact of that on their life. Certainly, neither of these people is going to be happy. But if you had $100 in savings and you lost half of it, that might mean that your cell phone bill doesn't get paid or that you and your children don't eat today. There is a huge potential disruption in your day today if you lose $50 of your $100 of savings. But if you have a million dollars of savings and it goes down in value to $500,000, you're most likely going to eat and you're most likely going to be able to pay your cell phone bill. It's much more devastating for you to lose money when you are poorer than when you are richer, at least in terms of impact on your lifestyle. I don't know whether it's more devastating psychologically to watch half a million dollars disappear versus watching $50 disappear. I don't. I have not researched that question to see if it's been studied in an academic format. It's much more devastating with potential impact to your life. I think that we who are thinking about money and we who are giving financial advice should really consider how to apply this concept of getting richer every day as a way to hedge against this risk. First, I think it's a useful way of considering. I think it's a useful way of thinking. What can I do today to get a little bit richer what can I do today to set a little bit more aside? What can I do today to make sure that my investments grow in value? I think by not accepting, I, I think that often I've been too cavalier about accepting the potential for loss. And as I'm getting older, still being a young person, but thinking more about money, I'm much less accepting of the potential for loss. I want a little greater margin of safety. And as I consider all of the clients that I've worked with and all the situations that I've interacted with, I think we underestimate the impact of loss, especially in the early years. It's pretty devastating for young people to lose substantial amounts of money. Yes, they have more time. They can keep working and do it and, and, and earn it back again. But it's pretty devastating. And when I think about a scenario like Mark Ford discussed in his essay here. I find an elegant simplicity in this type of advice. Start by making sure that you get $10 richer every single day, and then move your goals up. This type of focus puts your attention in the right space. For example, if your goal is to get $10 richer every day, that's going to start with your saving $10 every day. Then if you're doing like he described and you, rec- you refuse to go uh, to have your wealth drop on any day, you're going to naturally purchase appreciating assets rather than depreciating assets. If you're tracking your net worth on a daily basis, you're naturally going to avoid purchasing the car that will depreciate quickly or purchasing the consumer item that will depreciate quickly. And you're naturally going to move in a positive direction. You're going to recognize that I need to set this aside so that the interest grows This simple concept could help many young people avoid many of the consumerist mistakes. Get richer every single day. That means in the early years, you can't buy the expensive stuff. You can't buy the expensive stuff until your wealth is paying for it. The increases of your wealth are paying for it. I think this also puts the focus in the right direction of focusing on safety first, safe investments first. And the reason I think this is so powerful is that safe investments will give the person more confidence. I've observed that when I've owned stocks, I often have not had a lot of confidence in the dollars printed on that page because of the volatility. Now, intellectually, I've trained myself to be a good investor so that intellectually I can handle it and I can discipline myself. But I've noticed emotionally a different effect when I own things that are safer. And I've noticed how much freer my decision-making has been when I've had more of my wealth into things that are safer. Given the choice between this appreciation of safety and the academic, intellectual acknowledgement of higher potential returns if I would just discipline myself, I'm finding a higher level of happiness with safety, a higher level of enjoyment of life with safety. That doesn't mean I'm not willing to take a risk. hope that's coming through loud and clear. That doesn't mean I'm disagreeing with the fact that younger investors can afford to have a portfolio that's allocated more aggressively. What I am taking issue with is the idea that that advice, the advice for young people to invest aggressively in stocks actually works most effectively. I'm not convinced it does anymore. And I'm not convinced it does because I don't think it keeps people's focus in the right area. Mark Ford's strategy here is behavioral, and that's my third point about it. It's behavioral in order to actually follow through and get richer every day, you have to track your money. You have to save diligently. You have to research and think about investments. You have to think about risk very, very carefully and make sure that you understand it. You have to calculate risk. That's how I could see stock investing fitting into this strategy. Now, Mark is not a huge fan of, of mainstream stock advice, but I have no problem fitting that into this. This just simply means that you calculate the standard deviation of your portfolio that gives you – or you use the number that is the calculated standard deviation of your portfolio. That gives you what the, the volatility might be and then you take that number and you fit that number into your planning uh, on, on your portfolio so that you make sure that, as he said, if I'm getting $10,000 richer every day, then make sure that on any average day, it's less likely that my portfolio is going to go down by more than $10,000. That'll make a big difference over time. I don't have anything more to add on, the, the, on this topic than that, so I'm going to wrap up the show with just a couple of quick things that you can do to pay attention on a daily basis. Very practical things. Because if you want to get richer every day, it may start for some of you by thinking about it conceptually, but for most of us, it starts with actions. And the things that we do daily are usually the things that are going to make the biggest impact in our lives. Notice this in the food that I eat. I've noticed that people who exercise consistently generally tend to be those who do it just about every day with rare exceptions. Notice this in a number of uh, a number of places. So here are just a few simple things that you can do to focus on a daily basis so that you can continue to get richer every day. Bring Focus and attention to your money. Write down every single financial transaction on a three by five card and consider figuring out how much your expenses cost you on a daily basis. If you wanted to get richer every day, you would have to actually know how much was coming in every day and actually know how much was being spent every day. One suggestion I've made in past episodes of the show and I have found very useful is to change the scale of the financial transaction in order to make it more relevant. If you take a and you're just simply looking at say the difference between renting a $2000 a month apartment and a $3000 a month apartment, it doesn't sound like that big of a difference because both of those are in the ranges of of appropriate rents that that people that people are make are, are will pay. But if you break $2,000 down into 30 days and recognize that you're going to be spending $66 per day, and the question is do you want to spend $66 per day or $100 per day on your rent? all of a sudden that number can be more emotionally strategic. So write down each transaction and then figure out how to look at it on a daily basis. If you're going to get richer every day, you need to know how much you're spending every day and how much you're saving every day couple other little tips make sure that you're saving money every single day if it's possible that mark ford's concept is only useful in the early stages of wealth it's possible that it's not as useful down the road i don't know since i don't know him and i haven't asked him this i don't know how much of this is written for rhetorical flourish versus something that he actually does every day i don't know Most things that are useful when we're just learning them simply become habits and then those habits guide us to the right place. But in the early years, I think this could be so valuable. If you want to save money every day, a great place to start is with a piggy bank or modern jar version of that and put a $10 bill in there every day or set up a daily transfer from your checking account to your savings account every day. Make sure that you're prioritizing setting aside money every day. Or, I've also found this to be very powerful in my own life. If you're paying down debt, make sure that you owe less money at the end of every day than when you started. I love... I mean, I think the word that some people would put on this would be the concept of little snowflake payments, right? Coming up against the, the concept of a debt snowball, uh, snowflakes. Basically, just put little chunks and keep a focus on it every day. I've recently tried to really home in and resurrect some of my skills that have gotten rusty. So I'm writing out my goals every day. I'm writing out my list of projects every day. I am uh, – Putting those on, a, I put those on a three-by-five card, I have a couple three-by-five cards, slide it in my pocket, rewrite them in the morning. That daily focus on those projects and goals and top priorities helps me to focus my energy on the things that matter. And doing it every day is very helpful. So if you're trying to pay down debt, make sure that on your three-by-five card, you write down, my goal is to be debt-free by the date of And here's how much I owe. Then make sure that every day you can put a little check mark towards that. I'm focusing on my personal health, really seeking to make progress on that. So each and every day, what is the thing that I'm doing today to make sure that I'm moving, that I'm increasing my health? What am I doing today to contribute to this goal? Take these little micro efforts Apply them in your life. Then let me know how they work.